morning. Welcome to this service of worship. If you are new here, if it's the first time you're a guest or the first time you're watching on live stream, we particularly welcome you. We hope this will be a meaningful service of worship. And we hope you'll stay afterwards for a bit so that you can get to know us. If you are interested just in finding out more about the church, or if you're interested in becoming a member, either one, uh, we have the second of our Southminster 101 gatherings about 15 minutes after worship down in the adult lounge. And if you don't know where that is, just meet us right over here at the welcome desk and people will help you on your way down. So I hope to see some of you there. Uh, most of our announcements during Lent you have seen in news and notes in your bulletins on the website. But if you can't remember what they are, I invite you to look at any of those resources. You'll see things about our devotional and about special education classes that are offered during Lent, as well as Stations of the Cross that will be during Holy Week. There is so much going on, so we hope you will participate. A couple of things um, that aren't already in all of those things for weeks are Ruth's Circle, which will meet on Wednesday, February 28th at 9.30 in the hospitality room. Anyone is welcome. And Elderberries, that will meet on Friday, March the 1st at 11.30. And one of our members, Sharon Short, I don't know if she's here or not, but she um, is a writer and she's going to talk about lessons from a writing life. I think that should be really interesting. And now we have first a moment for mission with Jill Madison. Good morning. I'm Jill from Mission Team, and I wanted to just tell you about two opportunities for giving this Lenten season. First, I think Linda announced last week, but we're doing a pocket change collection for one great hour of sharing, and there's a receptacle on the narthex on your way out the doors. If you want to put your pocket change there, it will all be added to the one great hour of sharing uh, offering that we'll do uh, on Palm Sunday. And then our second opportunity starts today. We are going to be working with Linda Vista, which is a... Uh, housing project for offers support for women who are um, homeless and mothers and we're collecting items from their wish list for the residents so we're starting today and it's sort of like we did for the VA uh, collection if you take a tag on the little spring tree out there and then buy the item that's on the back and return it to the bin in the narthex and then we're going to collect that through Palm Sunday as well and we hope that you can help us with those projects thank you very much and Ruth, where did Ruth go? There she is. Ruth Mappas would, Watley would like to. <laughs> Boy, Come, I know, it's been a minute. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you this morning. Um, I just wanted to share some exciting things that are happening um, in the music realm on a personal level. Um, probably already know or have noticed that Joe and I are expecting baby number three in July but what you probably don't know is that we're having a boy so we're really excited um, I keep telling them that I'm just making my own children's choir so uh, be prepared for that in the coming years but um, as you've I've, as you've probably noticed you might have noticed um, more music more diverse music as well as more of a um, 
presence online as well as social media. So I wanted just to talk about that very briefly. So um, we really felt called to start offering more anthems so that we could have a more diverse offering. We do really try to have something that's more contemporary and then something that's more classic um, each Sunday or if we have two contemporary the next Sunday we kind of do two classical just so that we are reaching a really diverse group of people and hopefully you hear something that helps you worship in this space because um, everyone's unique and different and that's what we love here at Southminster. Um, however, because we're doing that, we have two different rehearsal times, two different times where this music is being learned. So we have our Wednesday evenings that we've always had from 7 to 8.30, and then we have a time slot after worship um, from about 11 till noon. And we have these two time slots. Anybody is welcome to come to anything. Um, but right now it's sort of set up that the larger scale stuff is on Wednesday nights. The smaller scale stuff, the acapella stuff, is on Sunday mornings. But the great thing is that is completely contingent upon who wants to come and sing with us. So if you are in uh, the pews today or you know somebody that you think would really love to come and sing with us, but they can only commit to one or the other, um, let them know. We can change what we're doing and when we're doing it so that we can bring in more people to our ensembles. The other thing is we have a schedule set from the beginning of the year so you can look and see what anthems we're doing and if something seems like gosh I'd love to do that one but I really am not quite interested in this or I really would love to work on the cantatas or the large-scale works for Easter we can work with you on that and because we also have learning resources available where you have tracks that you can practice with so um, a lot of that has been evolving and established since COVID so maybe you don't know that if you were interested in joining the choir previously and it was just too big of a commitment or it seemed too hard there are so many opportunities for you so um, I encourage you if it has been on your heart to come and sing with us this is the time to do it or if you know somebody and you think it would be so beneficial for them just to sing, it really does make you feel better, um, encourage them to come. We will do whatever we can so that they are able to sing with us. Also, because I have two little ones and some of the other singers have small ones, we always have childcare available during rehearsals. Um, uh, the other exciting thing that we'll be doing and we'll be promoting as we get closer is um, we'll be doing a Mother's Day cantata this year. We're really excited. We're going to do all of mom's favorite hymns, basically. So if you have somebody in your life that you think would love that, we'd love to see them on there. Um, and then again, we are really amping up on social media and YouTube. So check that out. Like, share, and subscribe uh, to all of those if you are one of those people that does that. Or send something to someone or you know, email a YouTube anthem to someone that you think it, that it would mean a lot to them. And finally, if you're really interested in fiscally how we're doing, you can look at news and notes. Um, but we do have these donations. If we want to continue doing um, the musical excellence that we do at Christmas, uh, lessons and carols, and at Easter, um, you can take a look at my, my letter and news and notes, but we really appreciate any donation that you can give so that we can continue to give you an excellent musical worship experience. Thanks, guys. I'd like to uh, make, make one more announcement 
one of the joys I have serving here is to work with our pastor, Nancy Birdsong, and she serves this congregation in many, many ways that aren't always visible to all of us, but I can attest to the hours she works, her commitment, her passion, and her love for all of us. So today is her birthday. So Nancy, please stand. Let's thank her and honor her, Jim. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nancy. Happy birthday to you. So on behalf of all of us, thank you, Nancy, and happy birthday, and may God continue to bless you. We don't start the service blushing, but thank you very, very much. I invite you to make a fist and then slowly open your hand. Writer Henry Nowen says, to pray means to open your hands before God, slowly relaxing the tension and accepting your existence, not as a possession to defend, but as a gift to receive. You can't pray with open hands unless you live with open hands. Jesus lived this way. With open hands, he stretched to touch the eyes of a blind man, to heal the scabby skin of lepers, to take a little girl by the hand and lift her up from what her family thought was her deathbed. With open hands, he received those who were pushed to the margins of society. He welcomed the children. He forgave a woman whom others were ready to condemn and he accepted the nails that crucified him. With open hands, Jesus reaches out in love to us. And in this season of Lent, let us consider how to live with open hands.
Please be seated. Please join me in our unison prayer of confession. God, you know our faith can be fragile and that we tend to balk at the idea of costly discipleship. While we want to be followers of Jesus, we also want to travel down an easy path of our own choosing. We are hesitant to embrace your call to selfless and sacrificial love. Lord, loosen our grip on the need to be in control and help us to listen to the whispers of your spirit. May we be channels of your love and healing in this world. Amen. The good news is that God does not reject us, but redeem us. God does not hold back, but pours abundant forgiveness into our lives. Forgiven, we can follow. Filled with hope, we can offer encouragement to others. Restored to new life, we can live in relationship with God and our neighbors. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand. of Christ be with you. And if you are worshiping at home, we extend the peace to you. If you are here with us today, please pass the peace and greet each other as you are comfortable. Hi, happy birthday. <laughs> Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own. Through Christ our Lord, amen. The first reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 11, 
verses 28 to 30. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Cry. 
Invite the children to come up and meet me in the chancel. show you a few pictures of superheroes. Anybody know what a superhero is? They're usually in comic books, right? And do amazing things sometimes. So here's the first one. Anybody know who that is? Wonder Woman. Woman. You know that one. How about this guy? See, you know these superheroes. And one more. Boy, I barely turned that picture around. All you had to do was see the little bat ears up there, right? And we know who that is. Well, superheroes, we don't expect that we can do like the amazing things they do. But something they have in common is they're helping other people, right? Whether you're Batman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman or any of the other super people up there, Um, they all are helping other people. And the thing is, we can all kind of be superheroes in our own way, not doing like flying and all the crazy things. But Jesus taught us that real heroes are people that help other people. And I think of some of the kind of people that help other people, like firefighters, you know, And sometimes it means you're thinking of other people more than yourself. I mean, who wants to race toward a burning building, right? But a firefighter cares about saving people inside, doesn't want any kids hurt or anybody else, so they go toward the fire, right? And there are also people that work, um, paramedics that work with ambulances. When somebody's hurt, they go and make sure they're okay. But you know what? Almost everybody has a way that Jesus would see them as a superhero. And I didn't warn these people. I got to embarrass them. Now I'm going to embarrass you. Um, I'm just going to introduce you to just two of all of these people that have some way that they are like that. First one is Art Nitsch. Can you come up here a minute? Come on up. He doesn't know he's coming up, but he's coming up. So do you know what Art's superpower is? Come on up here. (laughs) Okay, we'll put a cape on him, right? One of the things he does, because he plays the guitar and sings really well, so he volunteers to go to the homes of some of our much older members who don't feel well enough to be able to come to church anymore. 
And he brings church to them just because he cares about him, and he uses his gift, and he goes and does that for him. So I think in Jesus' eyes, that makes him a hero too, right? I have another one. Okay, doing Chan, front and center. Here is another guy, and when he moved here, his name is Duan, and when he moved here years and years ago, when he was a little boy from Cambodia, and his mom brought him here to keep them safe because there was all sorts of scary things going on over there. Duan, you want to turn around and let them see you? Okay. <laughs> um, his mom has, doesn't know much English, and she's older. And Duan has her live with him, and he makes sure she's taken care of. He goes to medical appointments with her to make sure she understands what they say and, and she feels okay about it. So, you know, it would be much easier to let mom take care of herself and let her find some translator to go with her to the doctor, but Duan always goes with her. Now, I could pass this cape around to just about everybody here. I look over at Barb Adams, and I remember the time I had been going through a rough time, and she just showed up at my office at the church. You usually think pastors are going to only be the ones to pray for people in the congregation, but she came to my office and said, can I have a prayer for you? Wow, superhero Barb. Or the lady right beside her, Marge Lawson, she writes more little cards, handwritten, not emails to people that are going through hard times or they've been sick or anything. And I can, just about everybody in this congregation that I know does something like that. So I am wondering, can you tell me, it doesn't have to be something you've done, but maybe something you could do that thinks more about another person than yourself. What's something you could do? Let's say, Hmm, let's say your mom is going to take some of your old toys for people that don't have very much and need some, and you're kind of tempted to just give the toy that you don't even care about anymore. What could you do that would be even kinder? Give a toy that you love, yeah. You want to put that on? Just throw it over your shoulders. Okay, another one. Can somebody think of another thing? What if... Mom or dad comes home and they are just really tired and have had a really rough day and feeling kind of down. What's something you could do? Do the dishes for them. Do the dishes for them. Give that girl a cape. Okay. Any others? What if there's somebody in your class that is always lonely and nobody ever talks to them? Okay. Give that guy a cape. Brody, you had one. Sitting by them, right. <laughs> okay, there are so many ways that we can realize that, of course, God loves us and we're important, but we aren't always the most important. And sometimes we give up something we really wanted to help somebody else. And that makes us heroes in Jesus' eyes. Let's have a prayer and you can repeat after me. Thank you, God, for Jesus. He taught us how to love you. And he taught us how to love each other. We know when we do that, we are heroes in your sight. 
Thank you, God. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. gospel reading today is from Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Listen to the gospel of the Lord. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are, not setting your, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his heavenly parent with the holy angels. The gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The marketing of an item or a company or an organization or almost anything usually these days involves a slogan, some kind of branding. Even churches do it. 
trying to find a phrase that kind of captures people's attention and says something that identifies that particular church. Our latest one for Southminster is more than just a window. So many people who pass by this place notice that beautiful window, but when you ask them, do you know anything about Southminster Church, they might say, oh, it's the one with that pretty window. Well, we want them to know there's more than that about being a part of this community of faith. In our gospel lesson today, it seems that Jesus is not too good at this marketing thing if he's hoping for more people to be drawn to his message when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, lose your life. Not the best slogan to attract followers, more likely they will be running in the opposite direction. There are Christians today, some who like to pretend that Jesus didn't really mean what he said. Some follow a prosperity gospel that says being a Christian is easy and will bring you only good things and prosperity, making all your problems go away. Somehow a consumer culture and the perceived need to focus on ourselves all the time has been mixed up with the Christian faith in such a way that the message is the opposite of the message of Jesus. It is definitely marketable, much more palatable than the message of Jesus, only we are followers of Jesus, so maybe we actually need to pay attention to what he says. Just before today's gospel story, Jesus asks the disciples who they think he is, and for once, when Peter blurts something out as he impetuously does so often, he gets it right. You are the Messiah. Only he doesn't really understand what that means. Then we come to this scene where Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to suffer, be rejected, killed, and then after three days rise again. Peter doesn't even seem to listen long enough to hear the rise again part. Suffer? Die? The Messiah? No way! For so long... The people of Israel have waited for a strong, powerful Messiah who will lead the people to their freedom, to rise up against the Romans, to take back their land. You can see how what Jesus says throws Peter for a loop. His hope is in a Messiah who will come take away the suffering of his people, their poverty, their oppression, the suffering under brutal occupation. Peter can't abide what Jesus is saying. Perhaps he's thinking that Jesus is just too defeated. He needs somebody to say, hey, snap out of it. So he takes Jesus aside. There's this rather heated argument between the two, with Peter rebuking Jesus, and then Jesus rather harshly rebuking his disciple and friend. Peter's heart must be breaking. This Jesus who he loves has just destroyed his long-held vision of Messiah. Soon Jesus moves from talking about his cross to talking about our crosses. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Can you imagine the kind of fear these words strike in the disciples? 
I'm not sure that we can because the cross doesn't have quite the same impact for us. We see the symbol all the time. We see it on church steeples and on jewelry. We see it in the sanctuary and so many other places. We don't relate to such a method of execution in our time. As other theologians have done, Elizabeth Milford suggests that since we are slower to really connect with the powerful image of a cross and the startling image of suffering that it brings, perhaps we could think of it as an electric chair. Imagine having an electric chair as our primary symbol of faith. Here in the sanctuary, hanging around your neck on, an, on a necklace, might it help you to understand what a shocking and disturbing image it is to Peter and the other disciples? For someone living in first century Palestine, a cross is a horrifying symbol of fear and intimidation. The Romans used this painful way of death as punishment for any non-Roman criminal or rabble-rouser or dissident. Walking to Jerusalem, when you see such crosses at the side of the road, you remember who's in control and what can happen to you if you step out of line. Jesus willingly endures the cross in rejection of the values of the Roman Empire, in rejection of the particular temple leaders who are corrupt, the ways in which this world oppresses and stands in opposition to the kingdom of God. During his ministry, Jesus realizes that if he keeps saying the things he's saying and he keeps doing the things he's doing, death might just be waiting for him in Jerusalem, and yet he goes anyway. When Jesus calls us to take up our cross, he is inviting us to participate in a selfless love like his. What does it mean to take up your cross? One of the people who showed us how to do this to the extreme was Mother Teresa. She gave up any luxuries in life, most comforts, in order to act with care, with Christ-like love, face-to-face with the poorest of the poor and with the dying in Calcutta, India. She would minister to them every day, offering comfort, giving those who experience such misery a loving smile. When she accepted the Nobel Peace Prize, she said, it is not enough to say I love God, but I do not love my neighbor, since Christ made himself the hungry one, the naked one, the homeless one. Friends, when we take up the cross, we are releasing our preoccupation with ourselves and our needs long enough to let the wholeness and well-being of others take a central place in our hearts. When we do that, we are also welcoming Christ into our hearts. Bearing your cross does not mean putting up with illness or irritating people as your cross to bear. Neither does it mean resigning yourself to being mistreated or staying in an abusive relationship. Rather, it means loving God and neighbor enough that you are willing to make sacrifices for them. The difference between our burdens and our crosses is choice. We don't choose our burdens. 
we become ill or suffer or have a difficult marriage or lose a job, these things just happen. But you have to choose to pick up a cross. And then you are choosing to pick up the burdens of other people's lives. You make the choice because you are following Jesus, because God's love is in your heart. There is no getting around the fact that it's hard. Good life is not always an easy life. Some years ago, I read a true story by a man. I cut out the article from a Presbyterian magazine, and the article must have had the author's name at the top because that got cut out too. But it was about a man who had carried the shame of something that happened in his childhood for the rest of his life, a time when he had not chosen the way of the cross. He writes this, I remember the day I learned to hate racism. I was five years old. The walk home from school was only about five blocks, and I usually walk with some friends, but on this day I walked alone. Happy, but in a hurry, I decided to take a shortcut through the alley. Without a care in the world, I careened around the corner, and then I looked up, too late of course, and I had walked right into a back alley feeding. There were three big white kids. In retrospect, they were probably sixth graders, but they looked like giants from my kindergarten perspective. There was one black kid. He was standing against the garage, his hands behind his back. The three white kids were taking turns punching him, and they laughed. He stood silently, except for the involuntary groans that followed the blows. And now I was caught. One of the three grabbed me and stood me in front of the victim, and he said, you take a turn. You hit him. I stood paralyzed. Hit him or you're next, the giant shouted at me. So I did. I feigned a punch. I can still feel the soft fuzz of that boy's turquoise sweater as my knuckles gently touched his stomach. I don't know how many punches there were. I don't know how long he had to stand backed up against that garage. After my minute participation in the conspiracy, they let me go and I ran. I ran home crying all the way, sick to my stomach, and I have never forgotten. Thirty-five years later, that event still preaches a sermon to me every time I remember it. One can despise, decry, denounce, and deplore something without ever being willing to suffer or even be inconvenienced to bring about change. If there is one thing that Jesus taught us, it was how to suffer with and for others. Jesus walked the way of the cross. He taught us the meaning of suffering as a servant. Perhaps my first chance to follow that example came in an alley by a garage 35 years ago. I don't know if that boy from the alley grew up or where he lives or what he does today. I never knew his name. I wished I did. I wish I could find him. I need to ask his forgiveness, not for the blow I delivered. It was not strong. It was really nothing. But for the blows I refused to stand and receive, I think... That's what it takes. Friends, denying ourselves and carrying the cross 
isn't about denying ourselves our favorite food or a TV show for Lent. When we put Christ at the center of our being, we die to the things that distance us from God and live a new, more vibrant life of Christ-like love. We are dying to our false self and living to the call of Jesus Christ. Whether it is in our individual lives or in the life of a church, God calls us to stop focusing so much on ourselves, on our survival, maintaining the status quo, or stressing about the number of members in the church. Being faithful means that we live out Christ's vision of caring for our neighbor, feeding the hungry, standing with those who are hurting or mistreated, welcoming those who have been pushed aside by this world. I have seen so many of them in this congregation, more than just the two I, or four I pointed out to you. When you put your own plans and schedules aside to care for a parent or a spouse who is suffering from illness or dementia, when you seek out someone you know is lonely and offer your friendship, even if you have a whole lot of things to do, when you volunteer your time in a way that brings comfort and care to someone in need, when you share yourself or what you have, when you take a risk to stand up against injustice regardless of what others might say, when you put Christ's call to love and serve above your need for self-preservation and security. Friends, if we don't open our hearts to Christ, let go of our self-centeredness, serve others in love, we will never understand the joy of abundant living that God wants us to experience. In surrendering our selfishness to God, we are transformed. St. Francis said it so well in a familiar prayer, so I will end with that today. Let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life.
raised us up and given us mercy, grace, and love, so let us offer ourselves and our gifts to the support of the ministry of Christ in this place as the ushers come forward.
You may be seated. Uh, this week I was trying to update our prayer list and I've noticed it's getting rather long. So if any of these individuals who we've been praying for, if you have an update on them or we can uh, move them off of our prayer list, please let the church office know or let me know directly. But uh, in the meantime, let's uh, continue to pray and be a faithful congregation in terms of praying for the needs of others. One of the joys today came in this week from Barbara T., grateful for family, friends, and neighbors who check on her regularly. Also, we want to continue to remember those who were bereaved, the Bingaman family on the death of Sherry, families of Richard Hartman, David Jensen, and Glenn Harvey. Ongoing concerns, uh, Pam W. for her cousin Pam's husband, um, Patrick with serious health concerns. Uh, Patrick is Pam's husband and has serious health concerns. Walton Sue S., uh, Tom S., who is experiencing back pain, uh, Jenny M.'s mother June, Esther and Paul W., uh, Judy M. for relief from neck pain, Melita M. for her cardiac situation, Pearl S.'s friend Barbara, Linda D.'s sister Deb, Gretchen C.'s father Stephen, Ojulu and Abang's concerns for their friends and neighbors in Ethiopia, and for Clyde A., and then ongoing health concerns, Haley and Riley, and prayers for those with cancer, including Curtis H., Winifred, Susie, Nathan, Julia, Marvin, Mike F., Phil, Dana, Renee, uh, and upcoming surgery, Naomi F., who is having eye surgery tomorrow. Please pray for Naomi tomorrow. And those recovering, including uh, Melanie W., who's recovering from knee surgery, uh, Bob N.'s cousin, uh, the cousin of Art, who is also recovering from injuries from a fall, Max J., who is with us today. Welcome back, Max and, and Jan. Uh, Jim M., Roy B., Ralph Y., Del B., continued prayers for Pat B. and Jason S., and for those in hospice care, Pat and Charles. So if you can help me update this prayer list, uh, please send me an email or, or call the church office. But thank you for your faithfulness in prayer. And now I invite us to unite our hearts in prayer. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the heavy cross for my soul? Loving and eternal God, we pause in these quiet moments to offer words of praise for your wondrous and gracious love revealed to us in the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For all the grace you have poured into our lives, for all the love you shower upon us during our earthly journey, for all the forgiveness you extend to us, and for the daily strength you provide, we offer our grateful thanks and praise. As we continue our Lenten journey with Jesus, our struggles and temptations become all too real. Help us, Lord, to empty ourselves of that which tempts us to turn from you 
and turn toward idols of comfort that don't satisfy and don't last. Open our hearts and minds to your truth and guide us always in the pathway of your Son. All too often, O God, our prayers center on ourselves and our needs. Allow us to de-center ourselves, to focus on the needs of others. Hear our prayers for a world convulsed with violence and pain. Especially we lift to you today the people of Ukraine as they mark the second anniversary of Russia's invasion. We pray for soldiers serving on the front lines that they would be kept safe from harm. We pray for those serving behind the lines seeking to feed the hungry, house refugees, and heal the sick. May they have the strength to serve even when the needs seem overwhelming. We pray for all those who grieve loved ones who've died in the conflict, including Russian families whose sons have died, and for those who've sought refuge in other lands. In particular, we pray for the Kukarchuk family who will soon be arriving in Springfield, sponsored by our sister congregation, Covenant Presbyterian Church. May Covenant's commitment inspire other churches to respond in a similar fashion. Finally, O oh God of mercy, in these long wilderness days of Lent, we boldly ask for your help and hope. Comfort the sick and the grieving. Heal our wounds of heart and body. Calm our frantic anxieties. Order the chaos of our lives and our world, as in this quiet moment we lift to you those who are dear to us. O oh God, let this Lenten season be for each of us a time of renewal and growth and change. For when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. In the name of our Savior, who calls us now to pray as he taught, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
friends, take up your cross in unselfish love and know the pure joy of Christ. Go in peace and may, or, I'm sorry, go in peace and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.